This episode is brought to you by Direct Drilling, a locally owned family drilling company based in Kununurra, servicing the Kimberley and the Northern Territory. All drillers are nationally licensed with the Australian Drilling Industry Association, ensuring best practice, the protection of water resources and guaranteeing the life of the bore. Find out more at directdrill.com.au. Listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. This podcast is brought to you by Ariat Australia, the perfect choice for the tough jobs. Ariat boots and clothing work hard, look good, and are so comfortable there's never a need to slow down. Visit ariat.com.au today. Hi everyone, it's time for your annual Steph episode, um, because in case you don't hear enough of my voice in every other episode throughout the year... <laughs> here's an episode with even more of me. Anyway, last year I did it uh, all by myself as a monologue. This year I've uh, pulled on my friend Pip uh, to, bless her, she attempted to interview me for just a bit of a catch up for what's been going on in my life and the adventures I've had in the last year, year and a half. So that is what lays ahead. Um, It's Pip from Pip Bane from episode 35. We were just sitting around one afternoon and yeah, it's that time of year where um just needed something to fill the fill the space. So hopefully you guys enjoy hearing what I've been up to. All right, without further ado, here it is. I don't know, last time we carried on about <laughs> shit shows. <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the shit show. <laughs> You're listening to the Stefan Pip show. Dun, dun, dun. The Steph and Pip shit show. <laughs> Hang on, why isn't it Pip and Steph? Because this is my podcast. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so uh, I've been on here enough. <laughs> no. So hi, everyone. Um, end of last year, I did an episode, uh, kind of people had asked to hear a bit more of my story or whatever, you know, who's who's the podcast host, whatever. And You've really got to stop messaging yourself, Steph. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> It's not me, it's my mum, okay. Um, and and uh, I, I've also had um, a few requests come through this year for an update um, for anybody that has kind of followed Central Station or, or me on social media and it's known I've been travelling a lot all over the place and people are like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Where are you? What's happening? What's next? So I thought we'd do just a little brief update and rather than have, you know, my dulcet tones you know, in your ear, in a, in a monologue, uh, I've brought people on to kind of run this shit show. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if you want to hear just my dulcet tones, go back to episode ooh, 54, I think. This is like the Christmas special part two <laughs> or round two. So <laughs> this is not, not what anybody wants for Christmas, <laughs> least of all me. So what, anyway. two blondes sitting in a room with two dash hounds, <laughs> a heap of wine and chocolate, I wouldn't be anywhere else. <laughs> and by wine, she means lemon, lime and bitters <gasps> from the um, – Talk it up, Steph. From the – what's that machine called? A soda stream. Yeah, from the soda stream. So, so totally non-alcoholic and healthy. Exactly. Um, but anyway, over to you, Pip. Welcome to the – okay, to the Pip and Steph show. Thanks, what do you want to know? Oh, you I'm are, so humbled to be here. <laughs> Um, you've locked me in this room long enough. <laughs> Let's get this over and done with, shall we? <laughs> no. Hi, everyone. I'm Pip, and I'm a farmer from uh, Walkaway in Midwest Western Australia. And, um, yeah, Steph and I have been good mates for about mm, three, four years now. I don't know when you'd count it. I stalked you for blogs once upon a time. Oh, my gosh, yes. Back in 2013, I think, was when we first spoke. Oh. And I did a blog because I was working as an au pair at Kadari. Yes. And um, we go way back. Oh, mate. So, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and then, but the last time I saw you, um, we were living in Broome. Mm-hmm. You packing up my house. Yeah, so you helped me get through COVID. Um, and you helped me by buying all my furniture <laughs> when I left town. <laughs> I literally helped you hang those pictures and then I helped you take them all back down again. Yeah, and then you bought all my furniture and then people also left Broome and I left did. most of the furniture behind. <laughs> Buy a bigger gooseneck next time. Yeah. <laughs> Or do two trips. I uh, yeah. Anyway, but so so you were in Broome. You were working for the ag department mm-hmm. at the time, um, and that job had come to an end, um, one way or another. But do you quickly want to give us a really short rundown of um, a day in the life of Steph in the job that you were in? Just quickly, like I know what you did. Yeah. Um, so. Just so we know that, like, a bit of background, because no one actually really knows much about you, Steph. Good. <laughs> um, so I love the diplomacy with which you just spoke. Um, I, yes, finished up after two years with the Ag Department. Um, I have learnt I'm a private industry girl working for the public sector, being a public servant. Not um, not my thing. Um we will leave it at that, though, because yeah. we are being diplomatic here. Yeah. Uh, shout out, though, to my immediate team um, and a handful of people in the entire department that were bloody awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've actually had two – well, Mariah has been on episode 21. She was in my team. And Claire, uh, her episode hasn't come out yet. Uh, it might do by the time this episode comes out. So that's the two other girls I worked with. My boss well, – I still call him my boss, but my old boss, Trevor – he knows his episode is coming at some point. He's been pretty good at dodging it so far. Anyway, so I was um, a, working as a development officer, which is what they refer to as an extension officer in other states and territories. So basically um, just as a conduit between uh, industry and pastoralists, um, you know, we do research extension, uh, you know, run, we ran grant programs, we put on workshops, we organize for consultants and experts to come over and do workshops and, um, and, uh, station visits. Um, we also, so collected samples, we wrote articles. Um, so you're, you're like a really integral link between the government and the pastoral sector. In sort of. Like the pastoral, like me. Well, it's kind of like a link between pastoralists and everything else in a way. Not that mm. we, well, we certainly didn't work for private industry. Like there's no way pastoralists could do what you did on top of running a station. Oh, see, I have like, I have questions now about whether or not extension is actually needed. So I can't mm. answer that. Cause some, I, I, that, that is another. Episode. But it's like, I, I don't think that uh, I could be, go out there and. Let's just say, <laughs> let's just say that, uh, if we all disappeared, I don't honestly think it would make a big difference in the pastoral's lives. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. No. But I have to say, I am actually, um, pretty, um, chuffed. When I left, I emailed everyone. I was like, now I'm leaving. But the whole time that I've been working here, um, you've had my personal phone number because I hated having a work phone and a personal phone. So I was like, keep the same number you've got. If you need anything, call me. And I have had. So many people in the last year get in touch with me being like, um, I just want to like about something about supplementation or someone, yeah. even honestly, someone today was like, Hey, um, can you help me like, um, understand these fecal testing results? Yeah. And, but the funniest part is one person was like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, cool. I was like, so just so you know, like, I was like, just so you know, I left the department a yeah. year and over a year and a half ago. Um, I would still very yeah. much love to work with you on this. I'm going to send you some contacts as well, but just so you know, like, just in case you didn't realize, yeah. um, just so that, but I will be as confidential and whatever as, as hmm. if I was working in the department and they're like, Oh my God, I had no idea you left. <laughs> I was like, ouch. Um, did, did you not miss but my you- like weekly emails? How did but you they not were there when you needed Steph and that's what yeah, counts. But then a year and a half later when they needed help, they remembered my name and they came exactly. to me and meanwhile there'd been other stuff there and I was like, Oh, they know. So anyway, yeah, pretty oh. bloody tough. But yeah, even actually just today while you're out this morning, I, I've been connecting a pastoralist with a few different people with in the department and outside the department and working on them to resolve a, a potential yeah. issue. So it could that- be a, can, a private consultancy department oh, on no. the, on the horizon. Who no, knows? Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of did it all. <laughs> I remember one time somebody ringing me up. Honestly, it was a bit of everything, and I did a lot that wasn't in my job description. But one time somebody was like, Steph, can't get my printer to work, and I'm trying to print up a pastoral <laughs> I map. this story. <laughs> and so I helped them, like, from, you know, 
800 kilometres away, set up their printer so they could print. But they were printing off hey. a station wrap. So yeah, yeah. Um, definitely not a part of the job. But I think the most useful, one of the most useful things I did is I put a podcast series, a little educational one, mm. uh, which is uh, what sort of inspired the Cattle Station Classroom series that we yeah. have. Um, because once I was able, once I left the department, I was able to do that, obviously, with no approvals process because it's just me, myself and I or yeah. and, and Jane. Um, so if you haven't listened to that one yet, guys, Cattle Station Classroom, it is our second podcast series. Very funny episode titles, learn, as you know. Learn which end licks and which end shits. <laughs> Not yet. Ew. Ew. Uh, but also, yeah, did a lot with COVID last year, getting people in and out of the state. But yeah, basically yeah. – um bit of everything, but yep. yeah, there'll definitely be another episode or, or a written article at some point in time discussing the uh, whether or not extension should exist yeah. in the public sector at least. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so everyone, thank that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Broom, Broom has come and gone. Yeah. And so you've literally packed up, and I can vouch this because I helped you pack that damn car. It was pretty much you, your dog, and a Pajero, and- it was so full. It is actually. <laughs> did so, you have a saddle in there? Yeah. So we, <laughs> for, what we did first is we took all the stuff that, because I had was like, oh, I'm settling down now. I'm going to stay in Broome forever and work in this job until I die. I decked out my house with, I bought a beautiful. fancy like, it was like a really wanky. I was like, I'm a big girl now on real money. So I bought my kettle and my toaster and my pots and pans and everything from David Jones. I was like, I'm a big girl. I'm going to spend real money. <laughs> And so when it came time to pack up, I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not selling this stuff or getting rid of it. So all my – and I invested in really nice sheets and towels and And linen. artwork. Yeah. So all that stuff that obviously could not come travelling or that I wouldn't need, um, Troy and Mon from Meter Station very graciously allowed mm. me to store all of their place. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I think I drove yeah, out to meet with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You drove out there to help me drop it off. And then what I did end up going on the road with was um, – my dog, my angle, my saddle, which is not like your regular stock saddle. It's a full-on show, Western show saddle. No, it's a ranch roping saddle. Ranch. Oh, but so it's, it's, it's like massive. a million kilos, and it's massive, and there's bits coming off. Like it's an it came from America. And your dog isn't exa- exactly miniature Today's either. Thirty kilos. <laughs> That's thirty-five now. Uh, also had a tub with two sewing machines, or a sewing machine and overlocker, and all my fabrics and all that kind of stuff in it. Had a um, all my ropes. I had my big computer screen that was in a box that I used for photo editing. So I learned very quickly what some of my poor choices were. I tried to pack like my yoga mat and a medicine ball. Um, <laughs> oh, my thermomix. Uh, oh, I travelled everywhere with my thermomix, so I'm not. I'm not going to judge that one. Yeah, and then I had a tub of town clothes, a tub of. Um, so I had like say. So you got work clothes, so like jeans and You're shirts. You were very organised. Yeah. It was all in clear oh. containers, so you knew what was in oh, each. It, it was beautiful. Last. Well, it lasted a while, but not that long. Um, then I had town clothes, like Broomtown, Catherine Town. You had a ball dress. Yeah. Then I had then I had <laughs> city clothes because obviously, like things, there are things I'd wear in Perth that I would not wear in regular towns, but mm. things you'd wear in town that you'd obviously not wear on the station. And then I had um, it'd be like the seamstress all over again. <laughs> yeah, I had a, a a couple of race dresses and um. And a ball gown, just in case, you know, just in case. And I, funnily enough, earlier this year, I was staying on the Peak Station in South Australia. Um, and, oh, and my swag. Man, that took up a lot of bloody space. Uh, and <laughs> I was so at Peak, which is between on the Oonadatta track between Oonadatta and William Creek. And um, uh, I was staying there. They're like, oh, yeah, we've got the races on. And I was like, oh, my God. I've been travelling with my with my fascinators and my <laughs> race dress. I'm so excited. I'll finally get to use it. I've been on the road for almost a year now. And they're like, no, it's not that kind of race. Oh, no. So it was a horse race. Um, there was two horses that race that came up from like Adelaide or Port Augusta or somewhere. Apparently there was three, but one died the afternoon before, oh, no. had a heart attack during like the, the warm-up round. The so you would have won best dressed on ground – no, no, so you, no, this was literally people wearing work shirts and jeans. Like there was not anything. Like from, going to the trots on a Friday night. <laughs> it was not even remotely. Like I remember one year I turned up to Derby picnic races in like not full race get up, but a nice dress. And there were boys there wearing like denim shorts and like work shirts. And I was like, but, and people turned up to the bloody ball that night, which is where that ball dress was from. 
Um, also very, very casual. Uh, yeah, so did not get to wear my fascinator or my ball gowns. Uh, and I'm actually about to go sort of on the road again next year. And I've decided to leave the race dresses and the fascinators and the ball gown at home. Online shopping will be your saviour. Yeah, It'll well, I was okay, like, I don't so. want to keep buying stuff. And, you know, yeah. you know, and that's a really nice ball gown. I mean, it's not massive. It's, like, quite fitted. But, um, and it, yeah, but anyway. So I had Feeling a lot of stuff. And I also bought a um, – some backpacker had had it made for their Pajero, like this wooden shelf mm. that kind of went in the in the cargo area of my car so that I could fit like my swag underneath and some things. And then it was just so that I, if I pulled out something from underneath, I didn't have to pa- unpack. Yeah. You know, it was so very clever. It was, but it was a bit shit. And um, uh, again, earlier this year in South Australia, I was just getting jack of it. I was like, you know, what? I'm sick and I was so sick and tired. And then I had like just a tub of general crap, like a few books and like my iron and my steamer and thank God because – and my hairdryer and because, you know, you're like, oh, you won't need those things. No, I used my iron a lot because I sew as well and my my steamer. No one had a steamer pretty much everywhere I went. Um, But I was – You didn't bring a steamer here, did you? I've got some shirts that need ironing. No. (laughs) This is the emptiest my car's ever been. Um, But I – so earlier this year, so yeah, I'm at Peak Station and I was like, you know what? I'm sick of this shelf. Like I just want – I think I could fit more things in my car if I packed it differently and I didn't have this shelf thing in the back. So I'm unpacking my car like parked outside the quarters at Peak Station and I'm like trying to unscrew bits and I'm just trying to like jimmy it out and – You broke it in half, didn't you? No. Um, so when I had it installed or put it in with a friend, I had to like fold all my seats forward and like blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, and then like it went on on an angle and then we had to jimmy it around or whatever. Anyway, I just didn't have the patience for this. So I, think I was- you and I put it in. Possibly. I know my friend Angie, I think helped me. Oh, no, yeah. So yeah, Angie drill. helped you get majorly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and. <laughs> So I was like, no, nah, I can do this. I can do this. I don't need to move my seats forward or whatever. Uh, ended up breaking one of the windows in my car. Gosh, <laughs> In the cargo area on the back left-hand side. Just, I'm like looking at the other side, just trying to jimmy. And then I just hear this like shattering sound. I look across <gasps> and anyway, so peak station again. So we're what, uh, six or seven hours or more actually. It's more, it's like eight hours from Alice Springs and then it's a good eight, nine, no, 11 hours from, Port Augusta or Adelaide and Port Augusta. So you're a long way from a a window shop. (laughs) Yeah, but luckily the next week we were all going down to Port Augusta for a school in the air um, camp. So I had to get a piece of car. No, it was like the next day or something actually. That's why I was trying to get stuff out of my car so that I could pack different to go to Port Augusta. Yeah, so basically I just remember that night and that all people had already left and I'm having to like call and be like, oh, do you have some duct tape? And so I had to get duct tape and um, cardboard and like – fill in the the space. Like I literally drove over a thousand kilometers or whatever, whatever it was to Port Augusta with a cardboard and duct tape on the inside and on the outside. And I had to do it so much. Yep. <laughs> I was like, this is the most. And it still makes the most like horrendous noise oh, as you're driving along. Luckily, <laughs> I'm so lucky it didn't. I was just oh, more wow. concerned about what it looked like. I was like, this looks like a car straight out of a community let's be honest i mean we see cars all over remote australia generally a commodore or Falcon, the back window that don't like- have windows or wheels or <laughs> whatever you know they're just flogged and i was like it's bush mechanics eat your heart out oh like- it was embarrassing but i got it fixed pretty quick and my insurance covered most of it it's like a hundred dollar excess so that was i was very lucky that wasn't painful um too painful but yeah so i um i've gone through a few different phases of packing and unpacking and uh it was really annoying because sometimes i'd stay somewhere for like two weeks and sometimes i end up staying at like aileron station for about three months also spent about Oh, probably. You were the cook. We the cook there. No, I was just just they just let me stay. I did a bit of everything, like to help out. But yeah, wasn't definitely wasn't the cook. Uh, I did some cooking at a creek though. And a creek, that's right. As an actual job, but um, so envious of that kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, absolutely beautiful. If anybody sees the cook job advertised at a creek again, jump at it because the people are amazing and the kitchen is lovely. 
Um, but I, was stay, I stayed at Peak Station for like six weeks and whatever. So when I was somewhere for a while, it wasn't too bad. But man, lifting those tubs in it, I ended up getting rid of the tubs because they kept breaking because I'm a pretty rough driver. Um, so the plastic kept snapping and stuff. And They don't build things to last anymore, do they? No, stuff? they don't. I've gone through like several hundred dollars worth of those plastic, like 20 or 50, no, 80 litre tubs, whatever they are. Plastic tubs, cars, men. men. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't make them like they used to. Yeah, nothing. So, um, and the inside of my car is a bit ratchet from all so being jammed with so much stuff and got a few rub marks and stains and whatnot. But um, laugh lines, Steph. They're laugh lines. Oh, can you please tell that? Oh, maybe I should put that on the advert. Cause my <laughs> my motor car is currently for sale because I just treated myself to a Prado. Thanks again to Mon and Troy from Meter Station. Not only have they uh, housed all my stuff for the last year, they just sold me their amazing Prado. So I'm so excited. I'm a big girl again. Um, but yeah, definitely. Who are like, oh, it's so amazing. Life on the road. I'm like, yeah, I love it when I have to lift like 15 kilo tub with two sewing machines and like lug it in. Because oh, you don't want to leave it in the car, especially if you had to park in the sun. Or, no, luckily I didn't have to park in the sun at most places. But um. It's a yeah. lot. Like, I, I, I can sympathize oh. with you. Like, I've done a lot of contract mustering where I'm sleeping on the back of my ute, um, you know, because we're out in the sticks somewhere. And it is hard living out of your car sometimes because, I mean, especially for me, like, I'm really crafty. I'm currently staring at, you know, my sewing machines and, and overlockers and stuff. And I used to carry all that around with me everywhere I went. And, well, okay, like in the last 12 months, I carried it around everywhere with me. Um, and... Yeah, it does. It takes up a lot of mental space as well. Yeah. And the reason I took it with me is that for pretty much the last 10 years, I've been also sort of traveling and living within Australia. And then I was overseas for a few years and everywhere I went, I'd get these, you know, tea towels or oven mitts or shot glasses or whatever. Um, and they were always back at my mum's house, like, bless her, always keeping a room for me and just in storage. And that's so when I got my house in Broome, I was like, bugger it. Like, I'm bringing everything up. I'm like, you know, I got these oven mitts as a gift 10 years ago and they're really nice and I've never bloody used them. Or I've got, you know, or you buy a nice mug or something somewhere mm. and you, you know. It's got you, sentimental value. Yeah, but you'd also just, I was like, when am I going to actually start living my life and using the stuff I'm buying? Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to actually be like 60 by the time I get a house and use all my stuff. So when I packed up my house in Broome, I was like, well, no, I'm going to, I'll take, oh, that's right. I was also traveling with, um, a mattress protector, like a queen size, like, you know, like the mattress topper, good, sorry. Yeah. A nice yep. one, uh, a nice big doona and like cover and stuff and sheets and two pillows. So that also, I got rid of that in June this year. Gave it to when I was staying in a friend's place. I was like, thank God <laughs> I'm going to get rid of something that cost me a lot of money. I'm at least going to give it to a friend. Yeah. Um, but, um, I was like, no, I'm going to, bring my sewing machines with me because it took me until I moved back to Broome to get back into sewing from when I was a kid. And I was like, I want to be able to sew. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to be on the road. I don't want to go put them in storage. I enjoy sewing. I luckily for next year, thank God, I'm going to have a place to base out of the same place for six months Yeah, in um, Alice Springs. So I might bring the sewing machines. I Do think. it. I wasn't, I was thinking, I was like, I wasn't going to, but, but yeah, between like an angle and a dog. And when I first left, I had the dog on the back seat with the angle and some other stuff. And yeah, I had how this, long did that last, Steph? Um, a couple of hours. <laughs> uh, I took a turn south off the highway to head to Calieta Station on the dirt road, and I hit a bump and turned around, and everything had moved on the back seat, and my dog was buried under a pile <laughs> of stuff. So on the side of the road of the um, Poor cat. of like the I don't know what you call it, like the Luma Road or whatever it's called, takes you to Morita Station and Calieta and Narama and all them. Uh, I had to like unpack stuff on the side of the road, put cash on the front seat, and then put everything on the back seat. But like the front seat, that's a lot of volume if you look at that. So it was valuable real estate, and yeah, cash, <laughs> cash got that. He claimed it pretty quick, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, but I I've been it's been good. Aside from you know unpacking i just feel like we should, yeah it's not yeah. glamorous but um, no. no it's been amazing i spent most of the time in the territory uh and then i did maybe two almost three months in south australia um not quite a month in queensland that was really just a few quick trips to visit people yeah but yeah it's been it's been really good yeah and so you were traveling around um obviously like just visiting people and doing this podcast with people um but you also, I mean, anyone who doesn't know, Steph is an incredible photographer um, and Stephanie Coombs Creative, just going to put a little plug out there for you because um, if I don't 
if, if you don't know, I will sort of thing. Um, but you were also, yes, yeah, so you're also going around doing photography, which um, you would have had all your cameras and stuff in the car as well with you. And you're sitting next to your camera case now, and it's oh, taking yeah. up half my couch. Oh, sorry, yeah. So I had <laughs> the two cases, the podcast gear and the camera gear. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was, yeah. There was so much stuff. Yeah. Man. So let's not forget that, like, you, you yeah, were traveling around that. with two, pretty much two professions. You're, you're, you know, doing all these podcast interviews as well as doing all these stunning oh, man, I had photography my shoots. And my roping dummy, and then my cowboy boots, and then my dress boots. And then, yeah, that bloody computer screen, which I left. See, that didn't last long. That was September. I was staying with Kate Everett. Um, people will remember from episode 12 or 14, 14, I want to say. Yeah. Um, everybody will know Kate from Dolly's Dream. Um, and I was like, hey, Kate, how would you like, how would you like to have this screen on loan indefinitely? This giant monitor. Sounds like a So, bless Kate. Yeah, Kate took that, but thank God. Um, and actually, I only got about August this year, just as I was coming back to WA. I was like, oh, I'm heading back to WA. Do you mind if I grab that? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And we both were at um, Pussycat Boring Camp Draft. So, we did – here I am walking to her camp, uh, which is on, like, Monogeny Station um, at the draft and go into a car and get this – it's it's big. It's yeah. Like, it's a big screen and it's a big – it's almost like – it's a basic, like, TV. And so, it comes – then, obviously, you put foam around it and then a hmm. box. So, I'm walking across from her camp to my – like, where I was camped around with this big computer monitor <laughs> in the middle of a camp draft in the territory. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, I got rid of that. And even now I left a saddle pad, very expensive and very thick saddle pad, uh, with the Cadzos at Mount Riddick, yeah, just out of Alice Springs because yeah. um, I need to get a slightly thinner one. I think I, I went a bit hectic with that. So <laughs> one and a quarter inches, so it's very thick. Um, and I was like, oh, I just don't, it's just too much stuff. And, yeah. and even as we speak now, my Thermomix is, um, on Shamrock Station, just out of broom, because somehow, even though I'd managed to fit it in as I was getting ready to come back to Perth to visit family for a bit, I was like, I just don't have room for this yeah. stuff. And so I, so your life with- is literally spread around Australia. <laughs> so I have to go back, guys. I have to come back to get <laughs> yeah. my stuff. I'm really hoping the Prado has more space, but yeah. Yeah. No. Anyway, people probably don't want to hear about me packing my – we've been talking about me packing my car for like 15 minutes now, so should well, probably it, – it's a very um, – it, it was a big part of my life. It was like, a big part. Oh, do you know, it was hard. It was hard and not annoying, but um, I never got better at this the whole time I was away. I'd meet someone like, oh, so where are you from? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm from Perth, but I'm just staying at such and such. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but like where are you normally? And I'm like, well – uh, see that car there? Like that's <laughs> that. And they're like, so, but I've learned I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. No. no. And you've never like had to like the whole, like, so what's it been over 18 months now since you left Broom? And, Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it was about you s- haven't had to sleep. Like you've had a roof over your head or had somewhere to go. Like it just goes to show what I'm getting at is like the, the rural camaraderie of Australia. Like you you hadn't even met some of these people and Most you were rocking them. up on their, their properties yeah. to to spend some time with them and um and people just welcoming you with open arms into the house. I think that's a really huge reflection on um our community um in the partial industry it in was, Australia and, and also you yourself. It was wild. Like the first person I stayed with, Courtney, I'd met her a couple of times. Um and kind of know a few of the siblings from the family. But, um, oh, I've slept on her floor plenty of times. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I did. I, I rolled out my swag in their spare bedroom because they just moved into their uh, property in Catherine, um, for six weeks. And then I'd met Kate Everett once when I took her family photos, but we kept in touch. Uh, but even then, not that much. And I was like, Hey, do you know anyone that might like, um, rent a room or something for a while? And she's like, Yeah, me. Like, come stay. And I was like, and then uh, Ayla on station, which is just north of Alice, and I'd only met Craig and Sarah once briefly at an event at the start of last year, um, and I only re- knew to talk to them at that event because I'd seen her name on the list and I'd actually been stalking her through Facebook to try and get her to write blogs. Yeah. Um, so Sarah's episode 50, 51 <laughs> on the podcast. Um, the Cadzos, I remember messaging them. It would have been around New Year's, I think. Been like, hey, I think I'm going to come back to the Alice area this year for a bit. Just, and I had not met Beck at that stage. I'd emailed her about some blogs and stuff. But yeah. when I saw her at Brunette um, Camp Draft, 
And I knew who she was and I knew I should go and say hello. I was freaking terrified. <laughs> I was like, she, I was terrified and I yeah. did not. So I waited until I was on a horse on like New Year's Day to be like, hey, have a new year. Yeah, I'm coming out to the area for a while. Like, do you think I'll come stay for like a week or two? Like just visiting people. Next minute I'm there for like three months okay. um, and, or and close to it. You don't know until you, you don't ask. And what's the, the worst thing they're going to say to you is no. No, exactly. And I try also not to commit just in case somebody ends up being like you don't want to be like hey can i come stay for a month and then you get there and they're like a psycho or you're like living yeah. in like a you gotta have like a bed from like the 1920s in like a shed which has definitely happened not on this trip but at least somewhere i've worked before so i'm also like kind of cautious like oh can i just come visit like if i don't know them and try and visit once or twice and then see if we if we vibe yeah, yeah. um so a mate like at aileron i had a cottage to myself same at mount riddick like and like a beautiful like um peak i had a room like um up in the schoolhouse like it was everywhere i've been actually so bloody spoiled (sighs) like it's been really really lovely living the dream steph yeah the only place i've had like a not very good room is when i um and it's funny it was like the shortest trip ever i came to visit my friend pip um whoa whoa (laughs) whoa whoa it took me a while to click on there (laughs) Now, Pip actually bought a mattress just for my visit. I so. did, and it's bloody comfy. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, and I mean, just because you don't like the smell of my puppy, like you could have unlimited puppy cuddles, but he won't touch him. They so. smell like an abattoir, guys. Like it, well, we've I'll been admit, doing killers all week. So, it's like an eight-week-old dachshund. So he's very cute, especially when he puts on a turtleneck. <laughs> oh, when a turtleneck is put on him, he's certainly not putting it on. But yeah, it just smells like. Um, he does. He smells very meaty, but um, it's because but not we've been doing way. killers and it he's just, been eating nothing but meat and bones. So. It just brings me back to um, the time that I've spent in abattoirs, like mm. working in abattoirs, and I'm like, no, like I don't. No. Anyway. Don't blame you. Uh, enough talk about dead animals. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And it's funny. So you've you've been on this massive road trip. You've been in – so Territory, Queensland, South Australia, and now you're back in WA. So that's four out of seven. And- did you go yeah. to Victoria and New South Wales? Oh, God, no. No. Mm. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> no offence, guys. <laughs> it was cold enough in South Australia. Like, I was there for – It's a different cold down there, May, isn't it? June, April – well, bits of April, May, June. Or maybe I was only at Mount Riddick for, like, two months then. Um, it all kind of crossed over. But, oh, my God, it's cold. Mm. It's also really cool down there. They have such a cool – like, everyone's like, oh, ring everyone the Top End or the Kimberley. Like, ah, oh, let's go up north. South Australia is such um, an underestimated state. And so is Central Australia. And yeah. the people there are so cool and the so country genuine. is so cool. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm not saying I have favourites, but I do have a favourite child and he knows who he is and he's <laughs> in South Australia and his mother also knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, Christmas presents coming your way, mate. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Anyway, if I could kidnap, I would. But, uh, yeah, no, no, um, New South or Victoria with COVID, that was – I wouldn't mind – I've got to go to New South next year uh, for a wedding to photograph, so I wouldn't mind. I did meet some uh, people off stations in New South, though, uh, in South Australia that were out mustering, some contractors, and also I did a photography workshop in Quilpie, which is just, like, near yeah. kind of the border, and so people came up from New South for my workshop, uh, and they were off stations. I was like, I'm coming to visit. Oh, that's, so. that's awesome. So you've, like, in, yeah, like, nearly 18 months, you have really, like – door hopped your way around Australia in one sense or the other. Um, I sort of want to take not a, a plunge, but, uh, I mean, between like you were in a pretty high-stress job um, and and then sort of just taking the leap and going on this adventure of a lifetime, would you say that took an impact on your health, mental health? It was more beforehand. So, the job didn't necessarily have to be high pressure or high stress. I put a lot of pressure on myself because the people I was working for, well, I was working for government, but the people we were there to serve as a public servant, as a partial community, and I was that was the same as my social circle mm. uh, and my peers. And, and that's what you do. We do and put I, a lot of pressure on ourselves. Yeah, and I also had come directly from the pastoral industry. So I, uh, obviously, government, a lot of bureaucracy, red tape, there are a lot of difficulties in that job, and – I was under a lot of pressure from myself just thinking because, you know, 
we're seen to do nothing and there are a lot of times where we didn't do a whole lot and then mm. you go out and visit your friends either through work or socially and you just – I didn't want anyone to think of me as a doe-banger and, and yeah. I, I couldn't really argue otherwise sometimes. Yeah. Like some days you didn't get a that's whole how, lot That's done. how you perceive it. Yeah and, yeah, and that takes a toll. Like that – and, I mean, we've spoken about this off air. Um, like, yeah, you were – well, I don't know if you call it diagnosed or but you seeked help for um, – Fatigue, pretty much. Yes. So that was also part of the reason I left my job. I'd, I'd already decided to leave, but then obviously global pandemic. So I was like, oh, maybe I should stay. stay. You know, yep. I did get an offer of permanency, um, which oh, again oh. comes with comes with a house and all that kind of stuff. But I, was, I started experiencing chronic fatigue symptoms back in February, which really, it was, it's still, and I still experience mm. it. Can you run us through? Because I'm, I'm lucky. I don't, well. Oh. I don't know. I hear you talk about it. I'm like, oh, maybe I have gone through that. But for people who don't know what chronic fatigue is, it might be helpful for them to hear what you went through. So there's a bit of conjecture around it as to whether or not people actually, whether or not it's it's recognised by Mm. like um, doctors and whatnot. And And this is purely your experience on it. Yeah. So I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that won't make it. And it's hard. It's not like you do a test and, oh, yes, you can or can't. It's usually like a mm. set of symptoms. So I say that I have symptoms consistent with chronic fatigue, but whether or not, you know. It's so just a diplomatic way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just started basically like the, like sleeping all the time. I, I went on a drive from Mendora Station to Yari Station in February last year. I remember it, February the 6th. And it's only a three-hour drive. And an hour into the drive, I had to pull over and um, have a nap. So pull it, I waited till I found a spot of service and messaged the station, said, hey, I'm going to be late. I'm just having a nap. I'll let you know when I head off. And and then from then on, I just uh, was sleeping in at work. I'd have to have a nap in the middle of the day, if not yeah. if not in the morning. Like if I wasn't asleep at my desk in the morning and it was in the afternoon, uh, I'd literally like crawl under my desk to have a sleep on the and, floor. And let's just say this wasn't normal for you. This no. isn't something that you no, – like, is- I know I've been having naps in the afternoon my entire life because we well, wake up so early and we go to bed so late. A year in earlier, summer, but- I had to get a prescription for sleeping pills and I had to try three different types before I found one that worked because yeah. I had like anxiety that I wasn't sleeping. Mm. And then it kind of just went 180 and – um, I would wake up on a weekend and and then this also it it was probably about six weeks or two months before the working from home thing started with COVID. So this was all pre-COVID, and I would um wake up on a of like a Saturday morning and do something for an hour or two, and then just be tired. So lay down on the couch on my bed, have a nap, sleep. You know, it, may, it might be two hours, it might be six hours, whatever. Mm. Wake up, do something in the afternoon, like nothing strenuous. Yeah. And then still sleep a full eight hours at night. So that was your body telling you, yeah, like, I'm knackered. I'm, I'm. Yeah. But I had every test under the sun, um, and nothing showed up. And that was a big part of the reason I decided I, I didn't know exactly what was going on. But I was like, I'm. I knew I was a bit mentally cooked from mm. the job. Like I knew, I knew I was. Yeah. Um. Because as I said in the episode I did with Matilda Robinson, maybe episode sixty-seven or sixty-eight, uh, I spoke about how. I went and did um, some counselling at the end of um, intensive counselling at the end of 2019 because I was so cooked from the job. Yeah. So then, then the fatigue started in early 2020. So not long yeah. after. Um, so I went. Um, so I was like, no, I, I don't want to stay in this job because I, I was pretty sure this is what was causing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, even when I went and stayed with Kate Everett, I um, saw her naturopath who I'd actually been following online for years. Like she's yeah. very well known. And uh, had all these tests, even more tests, tests that weren't covered by Medicare, you know, out of pocket, doing yeah. everything, trying. I even had like um, saw a Chinese medicine doctor. Like, and it's, you know, it's actually a degree. Like, it's not, I thought it was like a bit of woo woo. But when I went to go <laughs> see this lady in Alice Springs, like she had a degree from a, like an Australian university and not yeah. like, not one of the dodgy online ones. Like it was like University of Melbourne yeah. or something, like a big uni that you can actually like Chinese medicine is like a degree. Oh, there like, oh. must be so much history. I thought it was just like woo-woo, kind of, you know, like they don't really recognize, you know, like mm. naturopaths is a bit woo-woo and yeah. you can get like a diploma in it maybe, but not a degree. No, Chinese medicine is a degree. But, yeah, I tried naturopaths. I've tried Chinese medicine. I've done some multi-level marketing detox programs, hashtag <laughs> Moder, everything, and I am still um, still working on it to this yeah. day. Like, But I that, that was um, – so leaving the job 
had a big impact on my mental health and being on the road because I wasn't under that um, stress. Mm. But on the other hand, because I generally, pretty much the entire time I stayed with people I didn't know, Mm. the only time I stayed with somebody I did know was when I stayed with my friend Mel for like two weeks earlier this year. But the other time it was all people I'd either met very briefly once mm. before, but I, and it's not we met on friends. the run sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But we were, and we were friends, but we weren't, it's not like a friend you've had for years or whatever. Yeah. So. Walked and, in a stranger, walked out a best friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I couldn't, the fatigue was so bad that I would, you know, didn't matter if I was at Courtney's house in Catherine or the place in South Australia or the places like I had to sleep during the day and yeah. I felt so fucking lazy yeah. So lazy. And I couldn't yeah. – I used to get out of bed when I lived in America at 10 to 4 in the morning to drive 100Ks to my yoga class. Yeah. And Or when I lived in Kansas, I'd wake up every morning and go running at sunrise. Yeah. Um, I would struggle to get out of bed. Yeah. Um, I would wake up and do something for a little bit and have to go have yeah. a nap. Even this morning, staying with you, like I was supposed to be up and we were going to go load a truck this morning. And luckily, luckily, I've – know you well enough and I, I'm just I've, I've come well you weren't it's, actually booked in to help like the child. no but I can't you know you just <laughs> and I'm not you sure do. and you must have been knackered because your house your bedroom is in the middle of my house oh no and, I was I and I, my two dogs were like it was like no a, I heard that I just cattle but I, running through my house no but <laughs> I heard that but I just was so tired I was like no nah, I'm not moving did you hear me come in yeah. I was gonna bring you a cup of tea Oh, no, I didn't hear that bit. Did you call my name? Was yeah. like, oh, no, I didn't hear that. Open the door. <laughs> oh, no, no. You were sleeping like a baby. Oh, God. So I – Yeah, so it's, it, I guess what I'm getting at is it's really important to recognise these changes things, in yourself. Oh, it's been – and so I've been trying to work on that this whole time, but it, it has been – I felt um, there were times, say, you know, whether it be – at Matt Reddick or Ayla or Peak or whatever where I'll just disappear for a few hours and it's because I'm sleeping and then somebody comes to find me and they find me sleeping or I've just woken mm-hmm. up or whatever. And I – no, nobody judged me, nobody. And I yeah. I kind of just said straight up to everyone, like, if I disappear or if I sleep, like I've got something yeah. kind of like chronic fatigue, don't know what it is. but And let's call but- this out for a second because how important – like I know myself, like I said, I've, I've been having naps since, mm-hmm. you know, I, it was just a culture on the station to have a nap. And I now that I think listening to you talk about your experience, I would have to go and do the same thing. Sometimes it's not for me; it's not as regular. But and I know that feeling of feeling lazy, or um, mm. and these people didn't know me. Like they don't mm. know the before stuff; they only know the after stuff. And that's yeah. what was really kind of eating away at me is that. And and this was every day. Yeah, every day at least one nap if not two and I will still sleep a full eight hours at night like and I've had all the testing for thyroid or you know everything everything and like oh it's so frustrating so now I'm just you know diet exercise mental health whatever but that was that certainly was a challenge because I was so grateful for people for having me and they knew of me and through Mm. Central Station the photography and I didn't want to disappoint anyone by being like oh Steph's not you know well, Steph's a bit, you know, she's a bit lazy. Or she's, and also I think I also had a bit of low mood and, and a little bit of lack of motivation in a sense, like in a way as well. Like mm. just um, – and so I wasn't like – yeah, I just felt bad because they – if when I stayed with my other friend, like they noticed because yeah. they've known me for years. They know the before stuff, but these people didn't know the before no. stuff. And I didn't want them to be like, oh, I thought she'd be more fun and more engaged and, you know, more, you know – Oh, you are fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. After your nap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that's probably been the biggest challenge in the time I've been away. And, and from the outside, it doesn't necessarily look like anything's changed because we've still got weekly podcast episodes coming out. We've got stuff happening. Um, I post photos on my social media of like from my photography work and whatnot. Mm. And I traveled 63,000 Ks in the time, well, just over that in the time I was away. It was that in 12 months was the 63,000. So wow. It was a bit more than that by the time I got home. So it um, definitely hasn't slowed you down. No, not like in a way, no. It's certainly like it's – It's knocked you around, da- but it hasn't – Day yet. to day, but I'm still, yeah, doing things. Yeah. But it should – We're yeah. still high-functioning yeah. adults. <laughs> yeah, like I could have de- like had a nap yesterday if I'd had time to have a nap before. Steph, don't bullshit. You did have a nap Oh, yesterday. yeah, but that, didn't, that was not enough. <laughs> it was like 45 minutes on your – kitchen floor <laughs> on, my on floor. the floor um 
And even then I was worried that because you'd fallen asleep, I was worried that you hadn't set an alarm and that we we're going to miss our alarms and I'd be late for my afternoon photo oh. shoot. So I was only like half asleep. I think I definitely drooled. Oh, I never set alarms because you can almost set your watch by when dad's phone will ring, which it did and was hooked up to the Bluetooth Whoa, speaker. That was right yeah. next to our head. That was traumatic. Not traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a wake-up call. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. But I mean, yeah. So I mean, oh, well, yeah. I guess it's it's really important. I mean, anyone who knows, well, go back and listen to my episodes. Um, Steph's got a better memory. If of- you get bored and you've got nothing else to do. Oh well, yes. Um, <laughs> Just <laughs> kidding. Turn the volume down or something. But I'm really passionate about mental health and how people perceive mental health, and not just um, how they perceive it, but if you are, let's say, the, we use the word suffering mental health or, you know, dealing with mental health um, issues um, and going out and getting help with it, having that support network around you um, to help you deal with what you're going through, I think it's really, really important. And like what you said, you no one ever judged you for having a sleep in the afternoon and no one ever, like – I mean, you might have thought that people were perceiving you as lazy, but I highly doubt that if you'd gone and said, listen, I have chronic fatigue, um, people would have gone, okay, no worries. And I think it's really important for people to, um, if if you're struggling in, in any way, shape or form, to make sure that your employers um, or people around you know that you're having a rough time so that they can help you deal with and process what you're going through because I know how hard it is to go through it alone. Um, I've been at the really rough end of the stick when it comes to having to deal with mental health um, to the point where I've lost a loved one. Um, So, yeah, guess what I'm getting at because this is my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, I mean, as much as this is all about you, can we just take five seconds to recognise how important it is for – people to take responsibility of their own mental health and but also share just a wee little tiny bit of that responsibility with their employees and peers when it comes to managing it. But yeah, that so that's my little my little um tangent. <laughs> I guess Steph knows how passionate I am. Yeah. But so okay, so righto, we've we've covered all that. Um you can cut that out if you want. No, no, no. Um we'll, we'll but, do a little bit. We've got a Oh, we got to wrap up. We do, we do. Five so, minutes, five minutes, because then we're going to go do go back to your farm to do a photo shoot. We are, which I'm so excited about. Not for me, God no. <laughs> no, we did yours yesterday. Don't worry, I've got the pictures. Um, got you. Which anyway, um, okay, you have just driven. What did you say? Sixty three thousand kilometers. There's got to be some stories. Uh, Give us, tell us a yarn, Steph. Come on. Oh well, okay. Um, 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 um. Yes, because we've only got five minutes and we better wrap up. Okay, so gosh, there's probably like 20 million I could tell every place. Uh, the one that comes to mind first, though, it actually wasn't a place I'm staying at. But again, just being in the right, not the right place at the right time, but by sometimes I like I thought, oh, if I leave this secure government job, you know, it was it was almost a six figure salary plus a house, you know, all these benefits, um, well, the house I started to pay rent and stuff, but you know, it was, it was a pretty sweet deal. I was like, oh, I need it. Otherwise I'll be poor and broken, whatever. Anyway, next minute, it's January this year, January 2021. I am in, uh, Darwin, mm-hmm. um, climbing into a helicopter, being flown 40 minutes to a station, uh, east of Darwin to photo, being paid, mind you, to photograph these – oh, oh, here we go, uh, episode – Oh, I listened to this one. 64 or 67, Norman Fisher. Yes. Being paid to photograph him and his wife. They have a – well, they um, – the family, uh, the bigger family has uh, cattle stations. They also run the only domestic herd of buffalo in the territory, like domesticated yep. herd. And they also have a croc farm, but their croc Which farm – Which is in- incredible. Yes. Yeah. I've got to listen to the episode. It's not like any other croc farm where normally they're in like small pens, like literally it's, like – It's free range. Yeah. So it's, it's like a free range chook farm, but they're crocs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So so rather than them being in like, you know, uh, 
three meter by three meter pens with one other croc, whatever. Mm. They're literally all in this one billabong that's a couple of kilometers long and wide yeah. or whatever, or a couple hundred meters and wide. And they just held him by an electric fence. Yes, which is amazing. But I'm, we're being flown over this lagoon. Then I'm with him in the chopper spotting crocs and nests. Well, he's spotting the nest. Let's be honest. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and then we land and then we jump in the boat with the others who have marked the spots and we're going out and walking through knee deep water to, you know, well, they, they had another helper and they're, and uh, out there with them and anyway so i went croc egg collecting like the real deal none of this hokey pokey touristy yeah. stuff um and then on the way home we stopped uh that he saw a few more nests on the station that weren't in the croc farm so then we went out like wild wild uh and collected you know things like that and i just remember thinking and i think i posted something on facebook at the time that i could be stuck in an office in a job i was really unhappy with that literally destroyed literally and figuratively destroyed my mental and physical health. And if I wasn't, you know, luckily I wasn't afraid to walk away from that and to walk away from, like, I I was pretty sure when I left, I was like, I will never make the same amount of money, like in the cattle industry or whatever, like Mm. in that, like it was a cushy job, like it was a generous salary. Um, But money will never buy happiness. No, and I was so unhappy. And then I was like, holy shit, I just got paid to go photograph someone like, reality check yeah. i was like you know and if i if i was over, still in that job i wouldn't be doing this right now yeah. you know um so that was that was a massive so highlight. moral of the story dream big live it <laughs> yeah life is short and if you're that unhappy like don't yeah obviously it's different for everyone as i said uh i don't think i said it in this episode but you know single no children no house so like no debt no dependence mm. no nothing it's very easy for me to pack up and go also i had a lot of savings yeah um so i was pretty self-sufficient but i mean obviously if you're in a really shit job that you hate that you've got kids or a mortgage or whatever mm. i still think obviously you you might it might take you a bit longer to remove yourself from that situation you have to have take more things into consideration make more of a plan but um, at hey, the end of the day, of insanity. doing the same thing over <laughs> and expecting something different. So that was a highlight. Um, the Cadzos lent me a horse um, to use at the Hearts Range camp draft this year. So my second wow. camp draft ever because <laughs> in all the years I've been riding. And, What'd you go and score an 86? I've got a 21 coming out of hey. camp. Thank you. <laughs> Didn't make it round my first peg don't worry i don't think i got my first gate tool that that, like that thing had a strong run. beeline on it it was not gonna <laughs> burn but um that's in a beautiful location at hearts range oh pretty much you know um you've seen some stunning oh like and just the people honestly the bits that have been the best for me though is um visiting people and cooking smokos cleaning the kitchen with them hanging going putting on a load of washing especially for the people that have kids and hanging out the washing and just the conversations you have while you're sitting around, not sitting around the kitchen table, but say cooking dinner together or hanging out the washing machine. The like, conversations you have around the homestead. Yeah, are more valuable. And that's why I've really enjoyed, you know, going and staying yeah, at Mount Reddick for a few months or, or at, um, you know, um, Ayla and I was there for quite a while. Um, same with Kate Everett, Courtney Robinson, Peak Station, um, the Williams, yeah. that – it's not when you're there for a while, they don't feel like they have to host you. Um, yes. Hopefully is the plan. Cause if you're there for a weekend or yeah, come look at this, come do that, you know, treat. And I'm like, no, just I'll blend yeah. in and do whatever. So when you're there for six weeks, like you have to, you have yeah. to. And so, so other moral of the story, pick up the tea towel, help with the, de- pick oh, up yeah, the tea towel, a guest- pick up, do with the dishes, help the dishes. Oh, God, and- I should hope every guest is doing that anyway. Lord. <laughs> but, oh, Hey. <laughs> okay. I haven't. I let people do the dishes last <laughs> night. I was not going that direction. But I actually at all. I was thinking of like but I actually places haven't. I have been when people haven't done that. But and- it's ironic because um this this and somewhere else are the only two times that I've lately that I've just been Oh, my cousin. I've been visiting my cousin in Perth and also I've been letting her do the dishes when I come to her house. Whereas normally everyone I'm like, No, no, sit down and I fight people for it. Shows you how comfortable I am around here. I'm like, Yeah, Pip, you get up, you clean those dishes. But You're yeah, still sitting in the sink from last yeah. night. But um, some serious quality time has been the highlight. But yeah, collecting croc eggs, um, camping at heart, camp, camp, camp drafting at Hearts Range. Um, oh, there's just so you know, breaking my car window. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> losing, breaking a fuse and tenant, or not breaking, I guess, or whatever. Having you no blew fuse, a fuse, blew a yeah. fuse, and yes, in Tenant Creek and. Bush mechanic camp mostly by myself, but also on FaceTime to my friend's husband. Uh, and then going and getting a, a fuse from the shop in Tennant Creek and fixing it by myself, you know. 
um, strong female, ind- sorry, strong and independent female. Yeah, that's what you are, say Steph. That. Say that all batshit crazy, but yeah, just um, oh, can't can't forget. Sorry, um, Tanis Godfrey from Tobermory Station on the NT Queensland border. Again, also just visiting people. Tanis had written a few blogs for us, and I went and stayed there for a week or two over my birthday, and and just to be brought into people's homes. And she gave episode ninety three, gave the most candid, honest, like raw podcast episode about family succession planning that was not successful and just to be a invited into someone's home but also for them to give you their time to come on the podcast to be honest with you like no bullshit yeah oh it's it's it has been like it's been draining and exhausting but man it's been magic yeah it's been pretty bloody cool so so let's wrap this up really quick where's Steffi gonna be in six months at this stage, I'm going to be based out of Alice Springs for four, six months next year. So yep. maybe March, September. So if you're in Alice Springs or the surrounds, Central Australia, uh, yep. <laughs> or anywhere, I will travel for photos. If there's enough people in your area, depending on how far away you are, just got to get a few people to book. I will literally travel. I went all the way out to like Claremont this year and, um, oh, I love Claremont. and, yeah. um, somewhere else. Yep. Somewhere. Anyway. Um, so photography or podcast. So if you don't want to be seen, you can be heard. Yeah. If you don't want to be heard, you can be seen. seen exactly. <laughs> also station photography. Don't forget that. I do that for, for cruise stock camps. Um, and then who knows, hopefully overseas because luckily my visa doesn't expire for a few years, the one I was supposed to use last year. Yep. Uh, so hopefully back overseas. But honestly, if there's one thing I've learned, you never know where life's taking you. For all I know, I might find a job I love. I might find a house to buy. Prince Charming. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Let's not go too far because that would be a the uni- – Hey, we can all dream, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not going to happen. Lord knows I'm dreaming too. So. Uh, no, yeah. I feel like, like that one's just so far off the scales. But anyway, so, yeah, that's that's life, I guess. Look at you go. I think I spoke way more than you. <laughs> Thanks, and I – didn't let you ask me that many questions, but thanks. Hey, I ticked off everything on the list. <laughs> I gave her a list, guys. <laughs> it wasn't in order, but I got there in the end. It wasn't as it wasn't as long as the list that I gave to you. So. It wasn't as much as a monologue as my last year's episode no. was. So we're having a win, and I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope uh, we didn't make your ears bleed again. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. And until next Christmas. Yeah. Catch ya. Uh, if you tell – oh, I'm going to borrow a uh, so quick podcast recommendation, Life Uncut. Oh, We yes. love it. And can we just do their closing? Like tell your mum, tell, tell your dad. Tell your dad, tell your dog, tell your brother, tell your sister, tell your cousin, whatever. Um, tell everyone because we love love. Oh, my God. I've wanted to do that for so long. Can we also just be like, we love cows because we love cows. Okay, so, so we're going to do it with me. Yeah, okay. So we love cows. One, yeah, one, two, three. Because we, we love cows. cows. <laughs> okay. Um, now I know why Brittany laughs so much. <laughs> they do that so much better at their episodes, so please go listen to them. It's really, really funny. And even though it's a girly podcast, they've got heaps of bloke listeners. Oh, do it. Anyway. Actually, actually, on a quick note, and I'm sorry, we're going to drag this on a bit, but you introduced that podcast to me when – I was about to go through possibly the worst breakup of my entire life, hopefully the last breakup of my entire life, um, and they literally pulled me out of the deepest, darkest. Like, so I had to drive 2,000 k's home by myself. Leaving half my furniture behind in broom. Yeah, and listen, like binge listen to their podcast the whole way home. So thank you, Brittany and Laura. <laughs> They're never going to listen to this. <laughs> Ever. And thank you, Steph, for recommending it to me. (laughs) Bye, everyone. See you. Bye. Bye. Charles Darwin University's Agricultural and Rural Operations team focuses on North Australian production and business systems, offering current real-world knowledge and experience by delivering both full qualifications and industry-required short courses. Courses at the rural campus are designed to develop the skills required for work on a North Australian beef cattle property or in the top-end agri-industry, while providing a sound knowledge base in the pastoral and or agricultural industries. They have dedicated staff who specialise in workplace training and assessment and recognition of prior learning. 
They will come to you and service some of the most remote areas of the Northern Territory. Find out more at cdu.edu.au. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or leave us a review. It really helps other people find our podcast. You can find our website at centralstation.net.au where we have over 1,200 stories published from across Northern Australia. All of our podcast episodes, a tourism directory for visiting an outback cattle station and training and employment resources. We're on Facebook at Central Station, True Stories from Outback Australian Cattle Stations and we're on Instagram at centralstation.net.au and we're also on Twitter at centralstation6. To discuss this episode with other listeners, head on over to our Facebook group, Central Station Podcast.